This week, our scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through the first part of 38. I invite you to hear the scriptures and reflect on this interaction between Jesus and Pilate. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Hello, Stonebridge. I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge Community Church. And our sermon series, Divine Appointments, continues this week. And we're focusing this week on the character of Pilate. Pilate is the Roman governor to whom Jesus is brought when they want to crucify Jesus. Pilate is the one who oversees that, and he's in all four of the Gospels. We'll be looking at his interaction with Jesus. Really, the only day we know that they interacted today. So, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, to open up the Scriptures with me, and let's hear the Word of God. Please pray with me. Lord, Guide us through this passage. Teach us through your word. Speak to us through your scriptures. Through this character of Pilate, through his conversation and his interaction with Jesus, Lord, teach us about truth. Guide us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Pilate asks this question, what is truth? And Every time I read this, though I know Pilate is in the Roman Empire, though I know he's living in Judea in the desert, every time I read this, when I get to this question, for whatever reason, I just imagine Pilate sitting in a coffee shop in Paris with a beret on, drinking coffee, wondering what is truth with college freshmen or something. It's just this classical philosophical question. What is truth? And though it does get caricatured, and though it does seem like it's something that people in adolescence seem to be asking more, this is a question that we should wrestle with. It's a question that every human being wrestles with at some point. We all ask ourselves at some point, what is truth? And I think in today's world, the idea of truth In our culture around us, the concept of truth is one that is hotly debated. So this question, what is truth? And the way Pilate asks it, it's worthwhile for us to pause and to reflect on what this story teaches us about truth. Now, Pilate is actually a pretty unlikely person to be the one reflecting on this question, what is truth? In fact, Pilate is actually pretty unlikely, when you think about it, to be as famous as he's become. We know about Pilate. 
We hear his story. For thousands of years, people have known who Pilate is. His name has lived on. But if you were living in his day, and if you were a peer with Pilate, if you were living in the time when Pilate lived, I think you'd be pretty surprised at the fact that he is the one who became famous. If you're living in his day, Pilate was a governor, so he was important in the Roman Empire. But he was not the best governor that the Roman Empire had. Pilate was a mid-level bureaucrat in the Roman Empire. We know this because Pilate ruled over the area of Judea. That's where Israel was. It's where Jesus lived. He was a governor over that area. And that region, that Roman province of Judea, it was not where Rome sent its finest. It was not a wealthy province. In fact, all that Judea really had was a bunch of people who wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire. So the job of a governor in Judea was to just stop rebellions, to just keep rebellions from happening. That was Pilate's job. Rome did not send its best, most prestigious governors there. It sent the people that they didn't really care all that much about to Judea. So for Pilate to be the one who is famous, more famous than the other governors who are more prestigious in his time, it's a bit surprising. Furthermore, I think it's a pretty unlikely day for this to be the day that defines Pilate. I don't think when he woke up in the morning on this day, when he interacts with Jesus, I don't think that he thought today is the day that I'm going to cement my legacy throughout history. We have to remember, he was a bureaucrat. He was a governor. This is just a normal day to him. When Jesus is brought to him, this is just what Pilate did. He oversaw these types of cases. He administered the Roman idea of justice. He kept the peace by suppressing the people in Judea. This is just what Pilate did. And it's not until this conversation gets going that it seems to stand out to Pilate as something different. So Pilate is an unlikely person, and this is actually just at its beginning, an ordinary normal day for him. But there's one thing that we can learn from Jesus. And it's that we never know when we are going to be confronted by the truth. We never can anticipate when the truth is going to confront us because here Pilate is interacting with Jesus, wondering what is truth. Many Christians have reflected on Pilate's question here of what is truth. And early on for actually like thousands of years, most Christians tend to focus on what was the tone with which Pilate said this question? Was he dismayed? What is truth? Was he dismissive? What is truth? These types of questions are what Christians really focused on. Asking, what was Pilate's tone? What did he really mean? How should we read this? Because when you read anything, there's no tone to it. So we don't know his tone, which supplies so much of the meaning. But I think that asking what the tone is or trying to get at the meaning of Pilate's question here, I think it misses what the Gospel of John is trying to show us here. Because for people who have read this Gospel closely, 
If you've read from the Gospel of John from chapter 1 to this point, and you've read it really closely, you know that there is an irony here. And you know that Pilate is asking the wrong question. His tone doesn't matter as much as the fact that this is the wrong question. The question in Pilate's situation is not what is truth. The question for Pilate is who is truth? Because Jesus in John chapter 14 has already claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has claimed that he is the truth. That is the claim of the gospel of John. That is what this gospel is trying to help us to understand. Not what is truth, but who is truth. And it's trying to help us understand that truth isn't found in our own human words. Truth isn't found in the ways that we try to describe it as humans. Truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth is the truth of this world. This is something I think Christians oftentimes forget or neglect. And in different ways, many Christians walk away from these potential moments where the truth might be confronting them in the same way that Pilate walks away from his. And Pilate literally just walks away. So this question, who is truth? This idea that Jesus is the truth. It is so important for us. And I think, again, particularly in today's world, where the idea of truth is contested, where the concept of truth is contested. But not only that, but in this world when Christian words, Christian symbols, the language around Christian faith is used to convey different ideas of truth that aren't all as accurate. It's important for us to reflect on the question, who is truth? To reflect on the truth that Jesus is the truth. And to look at what that might mean for our lives. Now, I think that there are a number of ways in our own lives as Christians or as people who are curious about Christian faith. There are a number of ways that when we embrace the fact that Jesus is the truth, things change for us. Shifts will take place when we embrace the fact that Jesus is the truth. And that truth is not a statement It's not our words strung together in reflection on something we believe, but truth is actually this person of Jesus. A number of things change for us. I think the first thing for any of us as Christians is the way we read the Bible. If you embrace the fact that Jesus is the truth, then you don't turn to the scriptures simply trying to pull any verse out you can to support an argument that you're trying to make. If you believe Jesus is the truth, that way of reading the Bible, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you embrace that Jesus is the truth, then we read the scriptures to learn about Jesus's character. We don't just pull some verses out to support what we already believe or to argue somebody down who disagrees with us. But we read scripture as much as we can in its context, in the stories in which we find it trying to discern what these whole stories are trying to tell us. We try to discern what the whole letter we're reading is trying to tell us, what the whole law we're reading is trying to tell us. 
not so we can win an argument, but so we can learn about the character of God throughout all of scripture, but specifically the character of God revealed in Jesus in the gospels. The way we approach scripture, when we understand that Jesus is the truth, it changes. That's one of the main reasons why we're doing this sermon series in the gospel of John. We're trying to look at the character of Jesus, trying to look at how Jesus acts, how he behaves, how he treats people, because it's there that the truth is found in the character of Jesus. So that's one thing that I think changes when we embrace this truth. The way we read scripture, the aim behind which we read scripture is to discern the character of God as revealed in Jesus. That is why we approach the scriptures. But there's another thing that I think changes for us. If you embrace this fact that Jesus is the truth, then I think we have to ask ourselves this question. The things that we believe are true, the statements we make that are true, do they make us more like Jesus or less like Jesus? When we hold something to be true, when we think that this is the truth, does that cause us to behave more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Do we begin treating people the way Jesus treated people? Does our character begin to reflect Jesus's more and more? Now, we never reflect Jesus perfectly because we are failed and flawed human beings. But when we think that something is true, it should push, push us to be more like Jesus, to reflect him more and more. But oftentimes what I see is when Christians embrace certain ideas of truth, it makes them more combative. It makes them more dismissive of other people. It makes them not view other people as humans even at times, but people become ideas. But Jesus, he never treated people that way. Jesus cared for people that were surprising in his culture to care about. Jesus, he was willing to challenge ideas. He was willing to question people and things in a loving way, though. So what you hold to be true, what you think is the truth that you're willing to defend no matter what, does that idea, does that concept, does it make you more like Jesus or less like Jesus? If you believe that Jesus is the truth, it should always make you more like Jesus. And it should be changing your character to reflect Jesus is better. But yet there's another way, I think, that this idea that Jesus is the truth, that it changes us. I just mentioned Jesus was willing to challenge people. Jesus was willing to confront people. And for us as Christians, if we believe that Jesus is the truth, then like Pilate, we don't know when the truth may confront us. We don't know when Jesus might be trying to teach us something. What I see far too often is that in the face of a challenge, Christians assume that any challenge to what our understanding of the faith is has to be bad. And Christians become defensive. They shut down or they become dismissive. They, they walk away the way Pilate did. Instead of pausing to wonder, what might Jesus be telling me in the midst of this challenge? It's so interesting to me that Christians seem to respond with defensiveness when somebody challenges our faith. 
I don't really understand that response anymore at this point in my life. Because if we embrace that Jesus is the truth, then there is no reason for us to be concerned if somebody challenges our faith or challenges our understanding of the faith or points out something that might be wrong in the way we believe in Jesus. If we believe Jesus is the truth, then our ideas, our concepts, they are not what Christian faith rests on. Christian faith rests on the truth of Jesus. And whatever we believe about Jesus, it doesn't actually change who Jesus is. If Jesus is the truth, then what we believe about him isn't nearly as important as we sometimes seem to think it is. Sometimes Christians behave as though if we admit we were wrong about something, or if we admit that we have to change our lives, that Christian faith is going to fall apart. But the truth of Christian faith is that for 2,000 years now, this message of hope and resurrection that has been passed down through the Gospels has survived. The message of the Bible has survived for more than 2,000 years now. And I'm sorry, while you are important to God, what you believe is not what Christian faith rests upon. It rests upon the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you turn out to be wrong about something, Christian faith is not going to fall apart. It is greater than any one of us individually. So when we embrace that Jesus is the truth, I think that this actually allows us to approach the world with more confidence, knowing that whatever doubts people express, whatever challenges come our way, Jesus will withstand them. The truth of Jesus will stand. Even if we can't defend him perfectly, he will stand. Remember, our job, it isn't to defend the truth all the time. It is to witness to the truth, to point to the truth that is Jesus of Nazareth. And when we embrace that Jesus is the truth, we become more free to take up that role of a witness and become less defensive and more opening and engaging with others who disagree with us or who are different than us. And honestly, when we embrace that Jesus is the truth and that the truth is going to stand regardless of our flawed attempts at explaining it to people, I think a load is lifted off of us. We can then let God be God. We can let Jesus be Jesus. And we can just point to Jesus, reveal his character, and let people understand that truth is not just a proposition. It's not just a series of words. It's not just a claim. Truth is a person named Jesus of Nazareth, our resurrected Lord. So Pilate, he reflects on this question, what is truth? Pilate, he asks this question, but then he walks away. And he hands Jesus over. He okays the crucifixion. May we not respond in the way Pilate did. In those moments when the truth confronts us, when it was an otherwise normal day, but all of a sudden something has changed and there's a challenge. In those moments, may we not just walk away from them. May we not just ignore them, but may we pause. Remember that truth is a person. And may we be open to the possibility that Jesus might be teaching us, training us, challenging us, and pushing us to a deeper understanding of who he is. So may we respond not like Pilate, but may we respond to the truth as faithful disciples, trusting that our Lord is teaching us.
and that our resurrected Lord Jesus is the truth of this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Faithful you 